0: It's Europe Calling. You're listening to Tracy Trixie, Neil Coburn. What's in the news this week, especially from the UK and from Spain? Europe Calling. A very good day, everybody. Welcome to the podcast, uh, the 22nd Of November 2022. That's our date check. Went a little bit cooler last night. And uh, it wasn't really that cold but it was a bit cooler uh, got a bit of wind about this morning otherwise not a bad day and certainly for this time of the year you really can't grumble uh, let's fictionally go across the mountains and say hello to Neil and uh, what's your weather like down there
1: well the sun's out but it is chillier today when I were walking my aunt, even my hand started getting a bit cold so it might be gloves on tomorrow morning if it's so, so but last night we were having hoolies <laughs> there's plant pots everywhere, all in the street. Bits of roofing here, there, and everywhere. Trees gone over. It really blew last night.
0: Right. Okay. Well, look, we've got lots to talk about as ever. So uh, let me find our first story. Here we go. We don't always get the chance to talk too much about football and uh, on this particular podcast the farcical row over Harry Kane and other captains facing a band from the pitch for wearing a rainbow armband spilled over to the stadiums of Doha. Last night, former Wales captain Laura McAllister was among female football fans who were told to take off their rainbow bucket hats. This is the Qatari stadium ahead of Wales's first match. Men, however, were allowed to keep them on. US football reporter Grant Wall was stopped by security at the same match, ordered to take off his rainbow t-shirt. He refused and the Qatari officials questioned him before they eventually backed down. One security guard told him. they were protecting him from fans inside who might have attacked him for wearing the shirt FIFA has made it clear that rainbows on clothing and flags is not prohibited uh, prohibited in stadiums but have acted to prevent protests on the pitch. On the sidelines, former England footballer Alex Scott, now a BBC broadcaster wore the on-band, during a live broadcast. The veteran football manager Harry Redknapp told LBC that he backed Kane's pro-LGBT stance but suggests that he believes it will make no difference in Qatar, he said. I agree with harry kane but we've gone to their country if you feel that strongly don't play or don't go i don't know whether wearing the arm band will change anything in that country it's their country and that's how they want to run it um bit of sense i uh, would think by uh, harry at the end of that particular article appearing in the papers today what do you think neil
1: well it, as i said before you know you, you know the rules over there. It's their country. I mean, years ago, it were when in Rome, you do as the Romans do. I mean, we, we've we've in UK, they've they've gone completely the opposite way. You can they can do what they want. But yeah, I agree with Harry there. If if, if you boycott, if all the fans boycott and watch them all on television because you're watching them all live, you know, you can watch all the games live. Then that that's a bigger protest than wearing a you know a, a coloured armband and this and the other one. You know. I mean, in, 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 FIFA are the biggest corrupt players in the world. Because he, he come on, today I feel gay, today I feel this, I feel this.
0: Ugh.
1: What was all that
0: about? That's Infa- it's, Infantino it's, Gianni, wasn't it, his name? Yeah, Infantino,
1: yeah. It's, it's about football. Politics really shouldn't be, you know, you, you can't keep having a, having a go at... Uh, came because he's not wearing it because he's already been told if you do you'll get boots and if you wear it on the next game you'll get boots again that means you miss another game the football should just stay on the pitch not on not outside not in all these governments and this and the other. If you want to make a stand against you know uh qatar then let the government sort that it's a politic, it's a political thing it's nothing to do with sports you well, know, you can make as many protests as you want but it won't stop them from, you know lashing you if you if you get caught stealing a, uh, a box of biscuits or something like that you get 50 lashes tied to a post you'll not
0: stop them it's just ridiculous I, I just, think let, let, let's just get on with football well well I think that's the big thing isn't it you you can see quite clearly that there's Lots of people whose agenda is nothing to do with football. I mean, exactly. we, we we can go back all the years we've ever known the game and the World Cup. It's about football. It's not about gay, this. It's not about um, human rights, that. It's about, basically, um, a number of football teams competing to see which is the best. Now, it's obviously been hijacked. It's just a question of, really, is how much will the hijacking affect um, what's a good competition? So let's go to a couple of the games quickly. Uh, nice to see England get off to a start. Um, I see that they've started to allow rugby tackling in the penalty area. It seems oh, to be everywhere now, doesn't I've it? Never seen,
1: I've never seen how it as bad as that, <laughs> not a penalty be, being given. And then we go and touch one man and he goes over and he gives a penalty. How ridiculous is that? Just to let you know, uh, this is live, That when we are live, Saudi Arabia have beaten Argentina 2-1.
0: Wow, that is a result. Nobody expected that. Um, You know, people are always looking, everything seems to be, let's get something negative. And it's quite difficult to find the positives, which can be seen by everybody if you look for them. You know, you only have to look at the Welsh contingent, to see stacks of really nice, good, well behaved people enjoying a football match. Exactly, um, yeah. I picked this up that uh, interested me. At the tournament's opening fixture between Qatar and Ecuador, fans dressed in Japan colours stayed behind to pick up bottles and food wrapping left in the stands. The country has gained a reputation for similar goodwill at previous international tournaments and their admirable behaviour is already winning plaudits in Qatar. Footage shows them going row by row, picking up the rubbish and placing it into plastic bags and um you know i mean that is something you don't see anywhere um phew, come on <laughs> you know i picked that one up so it was there for people to see why didn't they s- nobody's focused on that have they
1: no because that that's good stuff coming out of it <laughs> yeah,
0: nobody i've told you all these news
1: things in our uk they, they all just want to be doom and gloom they're telling us We'll have no money, you know, by New Year and this time. There's thousands of old fans from UK, all over UK, have gone there to support, you know, the teams. And people are supposed to have no money. And it's 115 quid a, a ticket, apparently. I... So where's all this money coming from then?
0: Well, I suppose really, look, we can do a link into our next story, actually. So let me quickly um, get the music ready. Here we go. <music> So, this one was MPs have been told they can host Christmas parties at taxpayers' expense. New rules state that they can claim the cost of food and refreshments for an office festive event or for a gathering in their constituencies. The Independent Parliamentary Standards Authority is also approving spending on festive decorations for their office and on sending cards to local residents. But it has warned MPs that they cannot spend public money on alcohol and it's urging them to make sure that their claims for get-togethers represent value for money, especially in the current economic climate. The paybodies' recommendations come after it emerged that the total bill for MPs' allowances rose to £138.6 million last year as more staff were taken on to handle casework. <sighs>
1: How does that work? I, I, Hang on a minute. Well, why can't they give us, why can't, you know, all these MPs vote to give us or pensioners or anybody, you know, that's a bit, you know, down on a few quid. Why don't they send us some food and drink and God knows what? How, how the hell can that work? Millions mean- of pounds just for them. They've already got the noses in the trough. Anything that they can claim for, they are claiming left, right and centre. And now they want us to pay for their Christmas. How does that work? And it's not, you know, Tories, it's Labour, it's Greens, it's all the others who will be, be able to spend it. That's an absolute joke, isn't it?
0: Well, it is. And I think that it's almost to me um, as though people are trying to get people like us totally fed up and annoyed because that is ridiculous. I mean, if you um, if you go to any company anywhere, you pay for your own Christmas stuff, don't you? You, you don't expect um, the firm to, in a general sense, you don't expect the firm to fork out. If you want to put on a little bit of a Christmas party, you have a collection in the office and people all chip in, don't they?
1: Yeah, well, where, where you uh, performed this week at El Castillo, all the, the people in Pollard. We've all paid in, and, and we're having a Christmas due there. You know, it's just for people to socialise, you know, and, and you know, you might have new people that have come in village and this, that, and the other, and they want to come, and then you mix with them, then they know who everybody is when they're in the village and that. You know, but to, to, for us to pay for these that are on serious, serious big money and, and expenses and God knows what, It's an absolutely disgrace, that is.
0: Well, it is. And I think it's um, symptomatic of what uh, I think what they're trying to do in anything virtually that goes on is get people just about as cross as you can get. Um, And, you know, these are just selfish, uh, totally self-centered people who basically don't give a monkeys about the people who they're supposed to represent.
1: Exactly, that we're paying for them to represent represent us. But I mean, these, you know, these this, this uh, thing that you know these groups that they have, ind- they're not independent. Devoted by the by the MPs themselves. You know, they have two on this, one two on that, three on here. And here we go, and we all get together. Well, how much uh, can we rip uh, people off for this year without going really O O T T? You know, it's it's an absolute disgrace that. Okay,
0: Uh, let's find out our next piece of scintillating news coming out of Britain. Uh, Where are we going next? Now, this seemed to come into the media, and then I've not seen it anywhere else. I don't think anybody's mentioned it. Since a group of Just Stop Oil... These are the activists who have uh, been creating mayhem everywhere they go. Um, They've today been spurred. I don't know what day this was. I forget. Um, They've been spurred jailed despite breaking a high court injunction. Uh, This was by blocking a motorway petrol station. Five of them. Ruth Cook, 70. Joy Corrigan, 71. Dr. Patrick Hart. Thirty-six Stephen Jarvis, 66, and George Oakenfield, 78, all admitted breaking terms of a civil order that was granted to Thurrock Council and Essex County Council. The injunction was secured in May by local authorities in order to restrain unlawful acts of protest in their areas. These included forbidding blocking an entry, uh, any petrol station and interfering with deliveries or or refuelling, the court was told. Today, a hearing in London heard that the environmental protesters sat in the road on August the 24th and prevented entry to an S.O. petrol station at Thurrock. A judge was also told that Dr Hart, he is an <coughs> NHS GP, caused thousands of pounds worth of damage to 16 pumps using a hammer and spraying them with orange paint. The case involved a deliberate flouting of a court order and the harm caused were not lessened by protesters having conscientious motives, according to Mr Justice Bourne. The court handed uh, Ms Cook, Corrigan, Mr Jarvis and Mr Oakenfield a four-week suspended sentence, two years suspended, uh, on the condition that they did not breach injunctions again. Dr Hart received a sentence of four months suspended for two years on condition. He committed no further breaches and was also ordered to pay a £2,000 fine. I mean, what is going on with these judges? you've Well, exactly.
1: I mean, not only that, they should be made to pay for the damage they've done to the pumps as well. Of course they should. You know? And, I mean, so, yeah, OK, you, you can't do it for two years. No, no, no. Do the four weeks, pay for the damage, and then see if you want to do it again. If, if you break a, an high court judgment, you're straight in clink. You know, you're straight in jail. It's, and But, oh, the 1769, the silly old fools. What are you doing lying down on the motorway or causing damage? Why, I bet they were the same ones that once it banned a bomb years ago, you know. Oh, and well, I do so. they, they all drive nice cars and, this, uh, and petrol cars, you know. It's ridiculous, half of them. But, the, the, you see, judges, we've said it before and we, we'll keep saying it until we blew it face. that they just don't hand out the, the right sentences for what's
0: being done. There's got to be a reason for this. Um, You know, I I don't think judges can be that stupid. You you know, if you're supposed to be the person who's dispensing the judgment and the punishment, um, then you'd have to be absolutely ridiculously stupid to have given a judgment Forbidden something, and or you know a judgment's been made, and then these uh, five have turned around and uh, said, right, we, we, we you know they, they they've just ignored what's been the judgment and caused these type of problems. Um, I'm sorry if I'd been the judge, that lot would have all been punished, uh, and in particular notably the doctor, because the doctor has probably not been seeing his bloody patients at a time when everybody needs to see the doctor. And I'm afraid that is totally and utterly an abdication of duty for me.
1: Exactly. I'm with you 100% there. As far, as the, the,
0: as, far as the others go, you, you would really think that, um, you know, Uh, after living for 78 one of them you'd think that they would have a little bit of an awareness now of of people who have to do what we've all been through which is look after our families and go out go and get your petrol go and do your job uh, come back home you know while you've been away your missus has been doing all the housework and everything I mean come on you know life has just they've made everything stupid now haven't they Exactly, they've lost the plot, them lot. Completely lost
1: the plot. You know, you, I mean, when all the, when it eventually comes, which I don't think it will ever, because you'll not, you'll not have no more World Cups in UAE because they'll have no money left, will they? Because they're making billions and billions every day. And uh, if all of a sudden oil just gets stopped, well, everything else will get stopped, machinery and stuff like that, because they all run on oil and Greece, and they're all coming from the same place. So you're never going to completely, you know, get rid of it completely. You just, you know, it's just an absolute nonsense, and it's a big tax. This, this, this yeah, we sent another rocket to the moon, and they keep telling us about climate change, and that's took absolutely millions and millions of gallons of thing going up in in the air. You know, you, one minute, oh, this is great for mankind. Which mankind? There's nobody on there. We've already been there. Nobody's there, you know. And now they're trying to stop oil for this and try and do electric with them hurdy-gurdy things that are blighting everybody's country all over all over hills and in, in, uh, in seas and that. They're, they're never not you can't, you can't sustain what we use now with all these Mickey Mouse things and them solar panels and this, that and the other. It just, there's no infrastructure for anything. They just keep sending it out there, send it out there, and people will have to pay more tax to, to build them, to get them going, and then they don't work, and then we're all up creek. You know, we're we in we're, we're up Creek Street, aren't we? We can't go anywhere. We can't do now. Well, I think that's one in control, I think.
0: Yeah, I, I think so as well, because basically um when you look at the fact that the Americans have got so much oil anyway. I'm just looking now. Uh, look, I'll link this one. The extra cost of diesel compared to petrol has reached a new high of nearly twenty-five P per litre. Latest government figures show the average price of a litre of diesel 188.90. Uh, That is 24.5p more expensive than petrol, which stands at 164.4 per litre. Analysis found this is the largest price difference in records dating back to June 2003. Diesel has typically cost around 5p a litre more than petrol since then. Steve Gooding, director of the RAC Foundation, warned that diesel could become even more expensive in the short term. He said the situation for diesel drivers is grim and unlikely to improve in the weeks ahead in fact it could deteriorate elsewhere in the article he goes on to say already drivers of average sized diesel cars are paying around 105 pound every time they fill up a, around 14 pound more than those people with similar sized petrol cars at the neighbouring pump with the UK's 4.5 million strong fleet of vans and half a million HGVs running at almost exclusively on diesel, Mr Green said companies' rising costs will inevitably be passed on to the consumer. Mr Gooding said the impact on diesel supplies from the war in Ukraine is being compounded during the colder months as many countries use the fuel for heating and power generation putting up demands. He added that the situation could get worse once the European Union's ban on importing Russian oil um, uh, comes into force on February the 5th next year as stock will be needed to be purchased from further afield. The Office for Budget Responsibility said on Thursday that a planned 23% increase in fuel duty... 23% increase in fuel duty in March 2023 will add around 12p a litre to pump prices. The figure is based on a combination of the schedule, end of the 5p cut-in duty, and the long-standing policy of duty rising in line with the RPI rate of inflation... But chancellors have a repeatedly frozen duty and the Treasury insisted on a final decision on the rate would not be taken until the next budget in the spring. There's more to this than meets the eye, isn't there?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the best. Diesel, yeah. Petrol is more refined. It takes more, more you know, uh, energies and stuff like that to refine petrol. Diesel is sort of, you know, it, it's, it hardly needs refining. It just wants watering down a bit so you can get in your car. And it's not... It's not twenty years ago that everybody was told by Tony Blair to get old diesel engines. It'll be fifteen p a gallon cheaper than any petrol, and it'll always be like that. And now, we, we, I've never known diesel for it to be anywhere near price of petrol. You know, it's always been it's always been cheaper. You yeah. know, I had I had petrol cars all my life. I mean, I only got a diesel car over here because it was the one that I, I fancied, and and I got it. But to, so petrol's more refined, it costs more to, to get it to the pumps than diesel, yet
0: it's hell of a lot cheaper than the diesel. How does that work? Well, the other thing is, you see, surely it's easier, it should be, I I'm, 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 maybe I'm being silly here, but surely it, but it should be easier to get the, the oil coming from the likes of uh, Saudi Arabia and Kuwait and those areas than certainly anything coming from Russia. I mean, surely that—that—that's—that's—it's got to be obvious, hasn't it? We used to get all
1: our oil from UAE. Remember when they they, they went on strike and that years ago? Oh, country nearly come, but then we were able to get it from America and, and and Russia and everywhere else that were that were doing it. Well, well, I think this.
0: There's a bit more in this, Neil. When you think about it, um, I mean, they're trying to create this problem in Qatar, uh, which basically um, everybody has known about for 12 years. They know that there's lots of oil in North America and Canada. And yet uh, they're trying to kid everybody into thinking that it's the war in Russia and the Ukraine that's causing the problem with the oil. Surely, that doesn't make sense to me that's almost I mean, as though
1: we, we don't get any oil from ukraine we only get wheat and stuff like that from ukraine we don't get any oil from there so, so uh, how does it affect that war which we all right i get that R- russia might not be sending us as, as much or whatever or you know but ukraine do me a favor please i mean how many, how many, you know oil pumps have you seen there in in ukraine you know digging in oil no no nah, i'm not having it I mean, surely there's something behind all this.
0: Yeah, I mean, re- really, the easier option would be to bring oil across from America and uh, bring it in that way. Surely, if, exactly, and Canada. I you mean, know, Canada's got it,
1: it, it's the same distance to travel, so it's no more expensive. You, there's just no, there's no reason. There, there's nothing I, I, I can't think of anything. It's just they're just trying to control everybody. And tax them up to the hill till they're nearly at breaking point, which the UK is at the moment. It's getting there. And we just keep standing for it all,
0: you know. Well, I have to say uh, that sort of moment of enlightenment for me makes me think there's a lot more American influence going on than probably people realise. Because, um, you know, you, you know, this all the woke stuff coming across from America into Britain and down, filtering into the, uh, the, the countries over on the continent here. I mean, something really doesn't re- resonate with me. Something is not quite the way it's being presented. Exactly.
1: And we've, we've, got, we've got gallons of it in our sea, but we sold that off. You know, we should have been self-sufficient now on oil and gas. No, we'll sell it off.
0: Okay, well, we'll go with the next one. Here it comes. Just a reminder, what we try and do is make sense of the news. We're not the experts. We're just ordinary people trying to understand what the heck we're being told. Okay, back to the UK and a 1,000 village halls face closure because of rocketing energy bills in a major blow to the quality of rural rural life in Britain. A survey shows more than 10% of the 10,000-plus halls fear shutdown as heating costs surge. This would be a massive upset in rural communities because often they are the only places where people can socialise and keep warm. This is a a spokesperson for the charity Action with Communities in rural england england uh, it's survey never heard of them until today it's survey completed by 900 village halls revealed that half of community buildings are suffering financial difficulties linked to fuel price um now, somebody called Catweasel in North Yorkshire. I do like uh, looking at what people are saying. Um, he said, or she says, "...all part of the ongoing process of eradicating places like village halls, public libraries, sh- social centres, pubs, and the old terraced houses that encourage true neighbourliness, where the plebs can gather and express dissatisfaction with the ruling elite." all part of Build uh, build Back Better with Soviet-style utility housing schemes where association is strongly discouraged and the occupants are little more than battery hens. Neil, what do you reckon?
1: That is exactly what they're doing. They're they're herding you into a situation that you can't get out of. You know, aren't they? You know, if everybody's skint, you can't go and, you know, meet in village halls because of the fuel prices and this and the other. So, some places in rural areas, that's what keeps them all going. You know, like I said about Pollock, you know, we have this Christmas do, so people know each other and talk to each other and see how everybody's doing, but the way it's going, they, they, they're just separating us all, you know, from each other. And, and we, we're all, we're just, just sat back and letting it happen. Well, you I, know, I, I know it's ridiculous.
0: I know when um, when I worked at the college uh, down in Cornwall, the I mean it's just like Emmerdale Farm, really. The the whole situation revolved around a pub and people going in, and uh, or, or, you know it was just basically that the, the village life is important and uh, it's important that people meet. But it's almost now as if something's going on to try and totally discredit all the good things that have happened in the past. And, uh, you know, this cat weasel person has got it right. Um, If you think about it, uh, the libraries came under uh, attack. So what did the library used to look like? Well, I mean, you could go in and there'd always be people talking to each other and there would always be, you know, a few people reading books where, of course, the technology might have changed a little bit now and, uh, you know, people read on their own. But it's isolating people all the time, isn't it?
1: exactly it, it it's suppressing them you know so they don't meet other people that might have decent ideas and and that's why as the, the, the first thing they're on you know when we're on about MPs voting themselves to to get a free Christmas and you can claim this that or the other no nobody else can it's just us and we're running this thing now and the more we can separate families and people from each other the easier it'll get to pass everything through.
0: When um, when this person, Cat Weasel, was talking about the plebs can gather and express dissatisfaction with the ruling elite, um, I basically am trying to think, really, were we ever as politically aware as everybody seems to be heading at the moment? Because, um, you know, even while I'm saying that, you've got the countermeasure, which is the TV to dumb people down and sit them in front. I mean, we both made the comments that, um, you know, it did seem rather strange that you've got the Rugby Union World Cup, the Rugby League Women's World Cup, the Rugby League Men's World Cup, the Rugby League Disabled World Cup. Uh, Then you've got now four or five weeks of this Football World Cup. I mean, I've never known any time in my life where we've had that many World Cups and big events all taking place one after the other, am yeah. I getting? Am I remembering this wrongly, or could you say that you felt that?
1: No, I, you know, no, that, that, well, we have the cricket as well.
0: Yes, you know,
1: all the sports that that, that we watch have, have all come in one year. You know, that's never happened. Never. Uh, so you know i I don't know and as you say if you if you look at all these stadiums, you know they're all full, but nobody's got any money, so where are they getting money from to, not only to, to travel to Qatar, but to spend you know as i said i'm sure um, I, 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 yesterday he said it were one hundred and fifteen pound a ticket for England game, you know, so I'm, hang I'm, on, we're all supposed to be on our knees. You know, and people are struggling left, right, and centre. But everybody seems to be flirting up. All oh, cricket grounds were full this year, you know, on, on the World Cup, the one day, the T20s, all them. Is, is somebody telling us lies or something? Is it just something Not. It, it doesn't. It doesn't click together. All this, all these sporting events, and all being full, and this, that, and the other. But everybody's down in dumps.
0: And the, and then you you, know? you've you've got this TV continually interrupting and making things happen and making people argue and try and looking at things. And are they right? I mean, this business of, um, you, you know, uh, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Um, I've, I don't watch the show, so I can only really look at the periphery of it. But all I do know is it's all about rubbish and stuff that really isn't important. And you've got this uh, politician, Matt Hancock. Uh, being talking rubbish and a member of the royal family talking rubbish, I mean, it's it just doesn't make any sense anymore, nothing makes sense uh, I, mean, I mean, some of these TV
1: programmes, I don't know where they get them from they say, oh, we've got a, a superstar here and, a, and a, you know, this and the other you don't know half of them I mean, you've got that, all that other rubbish as well that Love Island and oh. this, that and the other I do not they just don't bother me I can't be doing with them. You don't know what they're about. You don't, I mean, we, all right, we know Boy George and we know Mike Tyndall from b- rugby and being married to Princess, uh, yeah, whatever she's called, I'm forgetting her name now. Yeah. But, but all the others, one out of Coronation Street, one out of Oli Oaks, uh, one's a presenter for selling houses in Spain and God knows what. Yeah, but they're not, you know, they're not superstar people and, you know, Well, I mean... A1, you know, A1 people,
0: they're rubbish. and, and And in particular, when you look at this blessed MP, Hancock, I mean... He just really shows you just how stupid we are to think that these people are trying to diligently look after the interests of the ordinary common people when, you know, I don't even like to use the word common, but that's probably the way they see us. I mean, he's an absolute disgrace to being an MP. um, But I would say that is it really the plan of the television uh, people, and obviously these are all owned by people with agendas, is the idea yeah. to discredit the royal family through Mike Tyndall? Is it the idea to discredit uh, the likes of uh, parliament and parliamentarians by showing us just how ridiculously stupid this Matt Hancock is? I mean, there's yeah. there's another well, agenda somewhere, isn't there?
1: Well, also, yes, they've asked each other, they've asked each other, why they came in, you know, why would you, you know, come in, you know, to come in jungle. Not one of them said, well, they offered me £350,000. That's why I'm in, right? I'll show myself up and be daft and, and, you know, have a go at this. But as long as I get that into my bank account, then I'm quite happy with it. You know, third third rate actors and God knows what in it, you know, and they're all gaining hundreds of thousands of pounds for it. But nobody said... The reason I've come in here is for money. You know, it's an absolute nonsense.
0: Neil, I'll play the jingle and find you another one.
1: Bye.
0: You're listening to Vince Tracy and Neil Coburn. It's Europe Calling. What's in the news this week, especially from the UK and from Spain? Europe Calling. I sometimes look at the way these things are written and I'm wondering, you know, are people using, in fact, sometimes I think that these articles have been written um, by the computers and and not by somebody that's got a brain. Uh, Albanian alleged double murderer faces being extradited from Britain for the second time after sneaking into the UK twice and even gaining citizenship under a false name. He is Irillian Zagaj or something. Is it fifty year old anyway? Allegedly shot two men in the Albanian village of Kakran in nineteen ninety-nine, but slipped into the UK in the back of a lorry five months later and claimed asylum under the name Kiernen Kieran Zagaj after falsely telling officials he was a Kosovan refugee. Despite being one of Albania's most wanted fugitives, he was granted permanent leave to remain in 2005 and British citizenship the following year. He was convicted in his absence of two counts of murder in 2002 and sentenced to 23 years in prison. He's got three children, including a daughter, at Cambridge University. He was finally tracked down by British police in 2011, and extradited to Albania two years later to face a retrial, which acquitted him of the murders. He was released and travelled back to Britain, and immediately uh, the Albanian High Court later found the trial had been corrupt, and the not guilty verdicts were not safe. And since moving back to Britain, uh, he lives in Hanwell, North London, and has been running a bathroom-fitting company, He's the father of three, and now faces being sent back to his homeland to face another trial for the murders of these two unfortunate people. Um, I mean, y- you're saying here, or at least I was going to tempted to say you couldn't write the script, but unfortunately you are tempted to write the script because it's happening virtually every day of the week there's a story like this. What do you, re- yeah, what do you reckon?
1: Yeah, it is. You, you know, we extradite them, and then they might go and do five-year imprisoning there. And then we let them back. I mean, there, there were another murder of um, uh, uh, a kiddie and, uh, and the wife. And he'd been in prison. He's come out after two days and then gone and killed them. Why, why do we keep letting them go? Why, why do we keep giving the short sentence when they've already murdered people and God knows what? It, it's, you hear it every day. And we only hear these that come to, to the light in the news. You know, this, this, this could be happening all over the country, but well, nobody ever gets a life sentence unless it's really, really bad. But then it's not that because it, they'll say with a minimum of, you know, well. it, oh, it, it, it makes me ill. Yeah. So he, he's got to go back now. Then he gets found guilty there. So what do they give him then? Life there. So then, how does he run his business in in UK? You know, no, they know there'll they'll be a bit of a leniency or somebody will step up in the UK and say, no, no, you shouldn't do that. Let him come back and this, that and the other. No, he's a murderer. Two people. Yeah,
0: dead. Does, does it not cross anybody's mind that on the one hand, we're giving you this sort of information that's in the paper? So I'm not making anything up, Um you, you know. And then you see pictures of uh, the TV and you see young men. You don't see many women. You don't see many children. There are one or two thrown in for good measure. But you see these pictures on your screen and... Your own common sense tells you this is not uh, uh, fugitives fleeing from uh, these dangerous areas, which I think anybody would want to help if that been the case. But these are young men. All, all They're all fitted out. They've they've got their tracksuits and their uh, telephones and, you know, uh, ready to uh, go on the next phase of the adventure. I mean, there's a bigger picture here to, to, to be looked at, isn't there?
1: Oh yeah, there's 40,000 come over this time so on these dinghies and they're all there with the Nike track suits and Adidas shoes and mobile phones. Where's all these charging points for these phones that they're coming from thousands of miles away? Well, where are they charging all these phones up then? You know, uh, <laughs> it's ridiculous.
0: Where are you know, they getting but, them
1: from? But as you say, there's no women and, and they might have the, the odd kiddie that comes with them. You know... And, and then we just we, we just keep shifting them out to, you know, people's hotels. That the government check over these hotels at our expense again instead of getting them sorted. The minute they come in, are you eligible? No, you're illegal. Yeah, well, you get back on that plane and you're going back to where you come from or whatever. You've got to get rid of them. But now they're saying, well, we need all these migrants to, to do the jobs, you know, uh, that, that are needed doing. That's fine. A migrant and people from war-torn countries, we've always helped out. It's the illegal immigrants that need sending back.
0: Any thoughts about what really is happening?
1: I don't know. Well, in a bit, I bet everybody will be... Or women in England will be wearing headscarves, and God knows what the way is going on, you
0: know. I mean, you're looking at... Uh, I mean, just looking at today's paper as just a um, ballpark figure, this particular article here... Uh, Shamima Begum, which we all can remember the name because it was all about her going off and not being the nicest of people. Um, Shamima Begum was child-trafficking victim who was smuggled into Syria to have sex with adult men, her lawyer claims. As MI5 agent says, Isis bride would have known what she was doing. The trouble is, Neil, you wouldn't know who to believe, but if somebody age 15 is sneaking out the country somebody's either helping them or they've got uh, certainly a route that they follow to get out of the country to be able to go over there, haven't they?
1: Yeah, well, we saw them go, didn't we? Three of them. Yeah, that's right. W- walking into a bus station, getting the bus, going to somewhere else, flying to Turkey and then going in that way. Right. That's that's the life you've picked, my love. And then she were, she were there supposed to be, you know, uh, one of the squads that were going to chop uh, old Britain's heads off and God knows what. And then now people are saying, well, hang on, she were trafficked. They didn't look like there were people stood behind her saying, you dare speak and I'll, I'll shoot you or something like that. They went on their own accord. And now they shouldn't be allowed back. We've well, already took the passport offer and, and everything. So why are we having another? Why are we having another thing? And then she was supposed to have these babies, right? Well, that baby, that, when she was being interviewed for one of the stations, it never moved. It was just a, a, a bundle of clothing that you couldn't see anything anyway. You know, no, you that's the life you picked. Because when she was there, she was there with all Nike gear on, wasn't she? And all the glittery track suits and everything. It seemed all right at the time then. But now she wants to come back. No, you've already been thrown out. Do not let them back.
0: What What are they being told that would incentivise three 15-year-olds, and I suppose, you know, there, there would be more, but, you know, three 15-year-old girls who must have a reasonably good life in Britain, otherwise you, you wouldn't want to be here, would you? Or, or maybe that's it. Maybe maybe they did need to get away.
1: Well, they, they, they try, you know, they, they'll be offering them, you know, like the men, they offer them 24 virgins or something if, if they get killed while they're working for ISIS and this, that and the other. But there, they must be offering them a better life to come over here to look after the men who were going out fighting and, and this that and the other, you know, there, there's got to be a summit behind it. I get that, but it's you that makes it. You know, you you that makes your decision. You know, if it's like when they said to us, "Well, why are you moving to Spain?" Well, I fancy a better life. Not only that, with all the you know the breaks I had at football with my fingers and my legs and stuff like that in in winter in UK, I was suffering. I've not suffered anything while I've been over here. So I've chose this life but I live by these rules anyway that, that they put on me, you know, in Spain and I'm quite happy to live that life. You
0: know? Yeah, know, yeah, well, that's how I feel. I mean, uh, when we came out, I wanted to learn about Spain. I wanted to learn about Spanish people and, you know, it, it just open my mind to new ideas, but certainly, you know, whatever uh, the rules are, you've got to just try your best to comply and, uh, unfortunately, uh, it, it, it just seems that Britain just, they don't seem to want to comply with anything. So the only real uh, area I would be looking for anything is the television. I mean, you only have to look at the TV and look at the amount of violence on the TV. And then the other thing that I do notice is because we live out here, we have the, the chance to maybe look at other regions on the local TV. So you'll be watching the London TV um, and it's a it's a totally different part of the world, really, to um, maybe the north west of England or the north east of England or East Anglia. I mean, they're so different that you you half think, well, hang on, is this the same country?
1: Yeah, talk yeah. about change. Yeah, I mean, we've always had that north south divide, but no, it, it, it's it's just it's it's like parts that are being broken off from everywhere else again you know they're suppressing people to you know as you're saying north northwest northeast uh east anglia you know but we've all lived our lives there doing what we do and what we enjoy doing you know as i say i've I, I, you know, i've just said why i moved over here you know for yeah. to get myself a better life and and, and not be in pain all, all, all winter you know or going chasing the sun. So, yeah. all these aches and pains that I have from where you know the injuries I had at football and I, I you know I conform to all the laws that they tell me you get the right solicitor he tells you and that's what you do but yeah. in the UK they come over and no matter what rules we've got in they all just let them break it and, and nobody does anything about it and that's why you're going to end up in serious trouble
0: OK here's the next one OK, now I've uh, been saying for a long time, I've felt that everything's like a jigsaw puzzle and there's all these different parts of it. But if you put them all together, you really do see that there's something which is a bit unsavoury, which seems to have got a plan behind it. And I'm reading now about the a second Red Arrows pilot has been sacked and up to five members of the squadron disciplined after an official investigation into sexual misconduct and bullying. Flight Lieutenant Will Cambridge, a former Tornado and Typhoon pilot, flew as Red 4 in the famous aerobatics team, which is embroiled in the biggest scandal in its 58-year-old history. More than 40 crew members, including vulnerable women, have told commanders they suffered sexual assaults, sexual harassment and physical attacks by Red Arrows pilots who considered themselves untouchable due to their status. The shock uh, findings of an RAF uh, non-statutory inquiry prompted Top Brass finally to respond to abuse claims which had been raised as long ago as 2019. A disturbing picture of misconduct and ill discipline inside the Red Arrows has emerged this year, starting with a report in the Mail in May. Since then, it's been revealed how male officers targeted female colleagues, particularly those who were inexperienced or of low rank, they bombarded the women with requests for sexual favours, made inappropriate in advances, often when drunk, and when they were refused, they frequently became abusive. Victims later called for the Red Arrows to be disbanded due to the toxic culture which they claim still exists. That's not something that you, A, like to hear, or B, expect to hear. That's terrible, isn't it?
1: Well, it is, yeah. You know, I mean, there's no need for any sexual abuse or abusing people. We've been out on a night when we were a lot younger, you know, and I try to chat a bird up. And if if all of a sudden, you know, she said no, that was it. End of. You don't start abusing them and stuff like that. I used to say something like, "Well, it's your lost love, not mine." You know what I mean? Yeah. Make a make a bit of a joke about it. But abuse anywhere, it. it it's it's wrong. It's like bullying and, and all that. Law. That that should be cut out, you know, all everywhere from schools to Red Arrows, every, anything. But, uh, you know, I mean, it, w- when I first started my job and I worked on building site for a bit and I was an apprentice, I had all sorts done on me. You know, go go down to office and get us a long stand will, you know, go and get us a skyhook and this, that and the other or you know, you'd walk and you put your boots on and do a nail to the floor and stuff like that. <laughs> that's banter of, of of being an apprentice, of being a you know younger younger person in gang life, you know. But to abuse anybody or try and sexually abuse anybody, no, no, it's it's, it's not on. Okay, and especially women that that you know that are regarded as the weaker sex. You know, you don't get much bullying women, bullying men, do you? You know, and these, these are the elite pilots. They don't think they can get away with anything, you know, because don't get me wrong. It's a fantastic thing that they do. You know, the, the flying of the jets and this, that and the other. Yeah. But there's no need for any of that other stuff.
0: Well, look, I still say I i mean, I, I certainly don't like any of what I've read because you always like the Red Arrows. You always look forward to seeing them. You always wanted to maybe, you know, you'd like to know pilots. You know what I mean? It's like a glamour job, etc. cetera, even with the airlines, you know. But yeah. what I'm really more interested in is if you're trying to dismantle um, British society and in particular England and the English way of life, this is, for me, it's... ...a part of what I think this jigsaw puzzle is... ...you know, let's quickly get into the royal family... ...find out a few bad stories about Prince Andrew... ...and maybe something that Prince Charles has done... ...something uh, that the Duke of Edinburgh did... ...when he was alive, etc, etc... ...try and find things that we can knock about the royal family... ...and there aren't that many... Um, uh, ...when you take Andrew out of the picture... ...they've not been a bad lot really... ...I mean, Harry's been a bit stupid... ...but I mean, he he's just stupid... ...he's just not wicked, I don't think... Whereas uh, if you look around the um, what we used to look at as jobs that you'd really want people to maybe think about going into – education become a teacher so every day of the week there's teachers who are basically abusing the the pupils or you know doing things they shouldn't be doing in the classrooms if you look at the police there's stories every day of the week about the police misbehaving um the certainly the church you know all the parts of what we grew up with are under attack and i think this is part of of the plan to change everybody, and eventually we'll all be wearing little grey jackets, or at least um, future generations are likely to be wearing little jade grey jackets if they all carry on like this. Okay, does it sound as far-fetched, and am I off the wall with it? What do you think?
1: No, I think you're right. The UK, the UK press is is the, the worst in the world. They'll build you up and up. And up, and the minute you get to the pinnacle, you know, then all they want to do then is chop your legs off and drop you straight back on floor. No matter what you are, whether you're royalty, football, uh, professors, this, that, and the other. I remember News at Will shutting down because they were doing, you know, uh, phone tapping and stuff like that to get a story that would be headlines, you know, and then day after it, it's fish and chip paper. Yeah. Right. But that's all they want to do is if there's, if there's a little bit of a story, they want to, and it will fetch somebody down, no matter who they are, whether you're a TV presenter, a radio presenter, a footballer, anything. They'll they'll chase you to the end, to just try and knock you off your pedestal. Yeah. And that and that's the way it, it, it's going all, all through the UK. And as you say, as I said before, you know, in a bit, w- women will be wearing high up and all this that, like, the other. If we keep mm-hmm. letting it go on like this, like we do. Because if everybody, we have rules in country, but it, it doesn't. Nobody seems to put them, you know, into the full spectrum of what they should be doing. Like then, all women, all uh, men and women, you know, they, they get let off with a four-month suspended, you know, uh, Ridiculous. sentence or something like four-week suspended sentence. You know, okay, It's just want to just break all. The, if you keep breaking it up in in that many bits, all of a sudden, the the, the whole country's gone to to shreds. You know. You, Do what you want anyone that wants to come in.
0: Okay. Um, There's a guy that writes... uh, I, I find him interesting. He always seems to come up with something that is fairly accurate. Peter Hitchens, his name is. Um,
1: Oh, yeah, I've seen seen his articles, yeah.
0: Okay, Uh, this is the one that I picked up this week. The coming years of heavy taxes, along with the inflation and rising mortgage uh, rates we face, are not caused by some unstoppable force of nature, nor is the wild rise, uh, rise in energy prices. All these things are the direct result of government actions. They did not need to happen. I've warned against them all. And yet there is no political party, not even a minority party in Parliament, that has been remotely interested in such warnings. The whole of the House of Commons thinks in unison. On every subject where it could have been right or even divided, it has been unanimously wrong. Perhaps those of you who have repeatedly ignored my advice that the Tory party is not your friend and our governments are not competent will now finally begin to listen. And maybe those who now wave and fly the flag of Ukraine might also begin to wonder if they've been had uh, in the spring of 2020. I tried almost alone to warn the government was making a grave mistake about Covid overreacting wildly like a man who burns down his house to get rid of a wasp's nest. I wrote here in May that year. Think of Chancellor Rishi Sunak as a smiling salesman of payday loans and you will begin to get the picture, but it will not be the cheery face of Mr Sunak that you see when the time comes for repayment, but the hard and relentless agents of Her Majesty's revenue and customs. I could add the many times I have here warned against the supposedly Conservative government's surrender to the Extinction Rebellion zealots and the mad irrevocable destruction by explosives of our coal-fired power stations we did not even have the modesty and caution to mothball them in case it was a mistake if we had kept them they would now come in very handy instead who would dare criticize us for doing so as china and india build new ones every few weeks i think he's got some really great points there what do you think
1: I mean, that's the ideal. That's exactly the ideal. That what they're trying to get rid of. Where now? I mean, when I bought when I bought one of my houses earlier, it, it was fourteen and a half percent interest rates. But yes, we don't. Oh, you've got to get rid of it. You've got to get rid of these uh, coal-fired thing, uh, uh, electricity things. Right? When you when you get rid of them and they've gone, you can't just build them back up in in a fortnight or three weeks. No but now now electric prices are going up they could kick them up as he said they should, they should have mothballed them and when we come to a situation like this the government get them re up and going themselves and and you could you could basically really we could we should be able to have free electric you know the way things are going
0: and what about uh, what about he was writing about the conservatives not being your friend um because i mean they've had 12 well, years to do good work and it would appear that they've done everything to make it difficult for people, haven't they?
1: but you can put labor in, you can put green in, you can put liberals in, you can put whoever you want they're all the same, they'll promise you the earth, and then they give you nothing. you know it's just a case of oh well, we want to be in power, but we're not going you know they're, they're all they're all the same vince and like as I say about that that Christmas party that they're all they can all claim their expenses for it it's all mps not just conservatives or greens or thinking no it's all of them they'll all be claiming on their expenses they have they couldn't give a monkeys about us as long as they're getting the, the pay the pay packets that they're on which are uh, astronomical and then they get and then it's uh, seventy-eight thousand pound or something for an mp but you can claim one hundred and twenty thousand expenses how does that work yeah never heard no like it in my life
0: Well, here we are. We've um, reached the uh, latter stages of our journey. And, you know, you want to believe people. You want to look at the good things and you want to find goodness in people. But I don't know about you, Neil. I find it really difficult. And that's all around the House of Commons. And certainly, yeah. they've even got a thing going through the internet today blaming um, the Prime Minister in Spain, saying that it was his fault uh, for the way he reacted to the COVID thing and uh, basically, you know, sold us all a pup and all this sort of stuff. You know, uh, I don't know. You really find it difficult to know who to believe. And on top of that, as you rightly told us, Saudi Arabia were beaten Oh, sorry, we're beating Argentina in the World Cup. Come on, what is happening in this world we live in? Exactly,
1: <laughs> it's it's all topsy-turvy, isn't it? but uh, I never thought yeah, you'd see it, that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just as we just as we started, it come up on screen that. Uh, Saudi Arabia have beaten uh, Messi scored a penalty after 10 minutes and then they come out in the second half and scored two quick goals. So you can't believe it, can you? You'll well, be telling me Brazil are going to get knocked out next week.
0: Well, I'll tell you something. <laughs> the, the triads will have to book their ideas up because there'll be a bit of betting going on, that's for sure. Oh, uh, Neil, another interesting week. You'll catching buzz, will you? <laughs> you know what I mean? Have a great week. I look forward to talking next week.
1: Okay, Vince, thanks very much. I'll
0: speak to you soon. All the best. Thank you, Neil. Bye bye. Cheers, Bo. Bye bye.